Hey everybody, welcome back. You are listening to another episode of Addicts in Recovery. Uh, this is one of my favorite discussions that I've had so far. It's amazing. Uh, it's all about it's all about meditation. Spencer comes on and he he really gets into depth on on a Buddhism and meditation and the purpose of meditation. It's so good. Before we start, I just want to throw out an announcement that we're doing a fundraiser. Um, You can find it on our Facebook page. It's uh, Addicts in Recovery. Just type it in. Look for our big red logo. You can't miss it. And we really appreciate the support to kind of help pay for some of these expenses that we've incurred, uh, continuing to to progress with this podcast. Um, So I hope that you guys really enjoy this, this next episode. And I know you've struggled with it a little bit in the past, haven't you? You said to me before that you like, yeah, you're like, oh, I don't, what am I doing? Like, yeah, I don't know what's oh going yeah, on. Like, um, absolutely. Especially like, so there's there are different. I use meditation uh, in different ways, right? So when I'm physically exerting energy, so say I'm I'm working out or I'm climbing, because I do a lot of rock climbing. Um, that's kind of a form of meditation, right? Because I'm hanging on a rock wall and the only thing, there's only one thing my mind can think about. And that is that I'm hanging on a rock wall (laughs) and, um, to the, I either, I go up or I fall off, right? This is like the, this, this, you have two options. And so, um, it's a metaphor for so many things. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) You can either go up or you fall off. I mean, you could put that into recovery, like no problem. Um, but the, yeah, so I would, um, I, I would attribute a lot of my physical activity and a lot of the reasons that I engage in physical activity to this level of meditation. Yeah. Um, and then there's also this, like, what I view as fucking hardcore meditation, <laughs> which right. is, which is for me, basically impossible. I mean, I can get about 10 seconds in of it and then I'm fucking thinking about something else but that's the act of not thinking about anything of mm-hmm. like taking all these thoughts <laughs> that are bombarding from all directions and uh somebody said somebody told me that you you take it and you make it like a movie reel and then you just stop it and so you just see darkness right it's just black close your eyes and just see black like, how's that fucking impossible <laughs> man my mind is going so fast that I, I, I can last about 10 seconds and then 30 seconds later, I realized that I'm thinking about something and I didn't even realize that I was thinking about something. Yep. And then I, I go right back into this and it's just like this fucking rabbit hole, right? And you just fall in <laughs> and then, uh, and then you catch yourself for a second and then you just start falling again. Yep. Um, so those are kind of my two, I mean, and then, and then I also see, uh, meditation. There's a lot of other forms of meditation, but like reading, um, or watching a movie or watching television, you're, you're re- removing yourself from time and space and engaging into, or like it, basically placing yourself into a story. Right. And so there's that kind of meditation as well. Um, but I'm interested to see what you, what you've got. Yeah, sure. Well, um, I'm happy to talk about it to uh, the greatest or, or, or lesser degree as, as much <laughs> as you like, really. But um, I mean, I think that I should probably lay down a few caveats at the start, which is to say, um, although I've been meditating for a little while now, um, I'm by no means an expert in this field. Um, I am um, a certified meditation um, practitioner, mm. um, but... Um, that's not to say, you know, you can dedicate your entire life to doing this stuff, right? So um, yeah, um, it, it's very important that people realise that um, I'm I'm not necessarily some sort of I'm not like a guru Buddha type. Like it, this is just my own. <laughs> this is my own sort of path through um, on on the back of some of the stuff that I learned while I was out in Thailand because I was at rehab in Thailand, right? Uh-huh. I think I said this last time. Yeah, which is so cool. Like, I mean, talk about like a place to learn meditation, right? It would be Thailand. Oh, yeah, it's wonderful. And um, it, it follows kind of um, what's called the Theravadan 
or the the forest tradition, which is the northern Thailand tradition, which um, I can talk a little bit more about as as we get into this. Yeah, but, absolutely. I mean, I suppose um, to to talk about meditation a little bit. Um, the, the best example I can give, and I'm going to get you to do a little exercise right now. And um, if anyone's listening to this, hopefully people are listening to this. Well, yeah. when they do, they can they can try this as well. So um, what I want you to do is I want you to just put your hand out in front of you, open palm. And now I want you to make a fist. Okay. And squeeze that as hard as you can. Yeah. Okay. Now I just want you to notice what that feels like while you're squeezing really hard. Yeah. Okay. And now I want you to relax and release and open your hand up just so that it's um, an open palm once more. right? And you can feel how nice that feels right now after letting go of all that tension that you were building up in your fist. Yeah. yeah? Oh, yeah. Right. That's my little metaphor for meditation. Ah, right. So that's good. Yeah. Okay. So uh, yeah, I like I like that little exercise because it's kind of like you're like, oh my god, I'm straining so hard. Oh no, hang on, I don't have to do that. I actually don't have to do that. Like, yeah, I, I don't I have can, to hang on. So yeah. Tight so um, just let it go. So for me, um, meditation. So there's a bunch of health benefits that you can read about in terms of blood pressure and stress and anxiety and depression, PTSD. Um, I think there's even that, I mean, people can go and Google whatever's going on for them, but, um, there's a ton of stuff, even about people being younger, like genetically younger, if you're, if you're a, if you're a a responsible and practiced meditator. Um, so I think that there's a whole host of, um, psychological and physiological issues that, um, can be addressed and potentially improved mm-hmm. through the practice of meditation. Um, but really, I think the reason that I practice it is more about insight. So it's more looking at um, how I can observe my behaviours, um, how I can observe my reactions and my responses, how I can improve my concentration and how I can sort of look at my relationship with things and people. Mm -hmm. Those are kind of the central tenets around why I practice it. The other stuff is just nice to have, right? If it means that you've got nice low blood pressure, then great, great, right? (laughs) So, I mean, but it's kind of a byproduct of of sitting on the cushion, right? So, um, but I'm looking towards... I suppose you'd call it the path of awakening, right? So this is um, where meditation and mindfulness and Buddhism, which you know I'm a, a fan yeah. of, um, there's a it's a bit of a melting pot of of different ideas and um, sort of stuff that, <laughs> <laughs> to give it the technical term. That um that's your technical term is stuff stuff okay. yeah <laughs> I was gonna say like a bucket of stuff to make it specifically kind of <laughs> I'm assuming that's like the that's scientific sci- that's scientific yeah that's, that's the scientific a bucket terminology of <laughs> so um <laughs> so um I don't know like for me I, I think if I want to talk about meditation I want to talk a little bit about Buddha and and my uh, how i came to understand it okay so um i'm going to talk about a bloke called siddhartha Gautama, right who everyone's going like who i was gonna say say that three times fast. yeah so um that's buddha that's his actual name okay um and so a lot of people don't realize he was just like a dude like a, a guy um he was born in nepal two and a half thousand years ago um and um, when I say he was just a dude, he was actually a prince or like a, the, the son of the chief. Mm. And he lived this life of um, rich opulence and um, he was kept away from any kind, you know, the, some of the harsher realities of life. And then one day he went out of the palace um, and he saw a sick person, he saw an old person and he saw a dead person. 
and he had this sudden realization that there's these sufferings, these inevitable sufferings in life. People get sick, people get old, people die. Um, and he realized that there was this suffering in the world because people were concerned about these things. Um, and he decided that, um, oh, he also saw like an ascetic monk, someone who had sort of deprived themselves of all the sort of worldly things. And of course, he'd come from the complete opposite, this rich, um, you know, never wanting for anything. So he he decided that he was going to leave the palace and he was going to go and live the life of an ascetic. So he went into the the forest regions or, you know, wherever they were and, and lived this lived this life of complete um, deprivation. So he, he you know, you, and you can even see figures of him, like he's completely emaciated and, and drawn and like these guys were like living off a grain of rice a day kind of stuff. Mm. Like it's like they really denied themselves everything. Um, and he sort of came to the realisation, I mean, this is the very abridged version of this story, by <laughs> the way. Um, the, um, the idea came to him that, that basically it's not opulence and it's not austerity that, that is the right way, but there needs to be a third way. All right, I need you to uh, I need you to, to to rewind those two really big words that you just used: opulence and austerity. Right. So op- opulence. <laughs> all right. Okay. <laughs> Sorry, man. Um, so opulence just means rich. Okay. So okay. it just means that you know he was a prince and he had everything yeah. that he wanted. Wealthy or affluent. Yeah. Exactly. Okay. Right. So um, an austerity um, is in line with um, being ascetic. Those words both mean that you're essentially denying yourself some of the comforts in life. So essentially they didn't eat very much, they didn't sleep very much. Okay. They, they, they didn't have, you know, what you might call the, the trivial pursuits of the world. So they're not engaging in, um, I would have thought, no sport or reading or music or anything like that, nothing kind of pleasurable. It's, it's denial. Mm-hmm. Um, so um, austerity refers to... Uh, um, a poorness okay like um so it's it's kind of yeah it, that it's, makes sense okay now that was much more i can i now understand okay so <laughs> i'm sorry it's it i, I am I, you know what i'm I like yeah I, I like, you got some big words i like okay. to use words and we're going to start talking some parley in a minute as well so oh, right, right. <laughs> the parley languages right great <laughs> like i don't understand what you were saying when you were talking in english yeah exactly in a different language so um so essentially um Buddha um, decided that this third way, like it's not this one and it's not this one, it's not rich, it's not poor, there's got to be something in the middle, right? So, um, and he, he he was like, I need to find the end to this, the suffering, right? So um, he sat down underneath a Bodhi tree and he meditated. Um, and I mean, I've read different things. Some say it was for six days. Some people say it was for 50 days or something. But I was a long time, right? So he just said, like, I'm not moving until I figure this out, right? Um, and then he did. And um, so he became awakened. And he gave his first discourse, um, which is called The Four Noble Truths. Mm-hmm. Um and this was one of the first things that I learned when I was I was um, when I became interested in Buddhism. Um, the Four Noble Truths are really like it could be a lifetime's work in itself, right? But that they're quite simple, but not necessarily easy. So the first Noble Truth says there is suffering. That's it. It just says there is suffering. It's like, right, okay. Okay. That's good to know. Yeah. Right? yeah. <laughs> Aware of I that. Think, yeah. I think I knew that. Um, <laughs> I'm in rehab right now. <laughs> I feel like... <laughs> um, and um, actually, when he says suffering, it's actually the Pali word dukkha, um, which uh, is translated as suffering nearly always, but it doesn't actually mean... Well, it doesn't necessarily mean suffering. It's more like disease, Okay. Right. So it's more like there's something not right. And actually they've described I I don't know whether this is in the original Pali canon or not, but they that they describe it as like a wheel on a on a cart that's not on properly. So you get that kind of weird kind of like, uh, like kind of wobble. Ro- yeah, yeah. Okay. That's yeah. that's kind of dukkha, right? So there is discomfort or disease or suffering mm-hmm. in the world. Um and 
it's very important to realise that that's the case because that leads us on to the second noble truth, um, which is the cause of suffering is craving, is repetitive craving. And I think now in recovery that fits very, very well with some of the ideas and some of my experiences and life choices, you know, because to crave is to suffer. Mm. We want something or we want something not to be. Mm -hmm. Um, This kind of fits with me kind of well. And I was like, yeah, that that makes sense. If any time that I want something or I don't want something, I'm actually suffering. Um, because I don't want to be a drug addict or I don't want to be an alcoholic um, or in craving that beer and not having it or then having it. Like, it's the it's the craving mm-hmm. that makes us suffer. Um, and it's actually not necessarily the thing itself. It's our reaction to the thing itself is, is what we're talking about here, right? Um, and the third noble truth says that there is a way out of suffering um, because this is the sort of central tenet of what Buddha was about, right? They call it escaping samsara. So samsara is um, is linked to this Buddhist idea of the wheel and, and reincarnation and, and some of these things. So, But samsara translated literally means wandering. So it's meant to be that, this, that there's the end of this cycle or the end of this wandering results in enlightenment. Or enlightenment results in the end of suffering or, mm. and the end of this wandering. So it's the escape of samsara. Um, and then the fourth noble truth um, says that the way out of suffering is to follow the eight no, the eightfold noble path. Um, now I'm not going to go into loads of detail about what the eightfold noble path is, um, but just the highlights are it, it's it's eight things. Funnily enough, um, so it's called right view. <laughs> right intention, right speech, right action, right livelihood, right effort, right mindfulness, and right concentration. And the, we, we did a, we did a podcast. This is probably one of the first three or four podcasts that we did. And we talked about uh, recovery programs and we talked about refuge. Yep. Um, And this is, this is the kind of the path that refuge recovery is based off of right exactly that okay so i've done a bit of refuge recovery myself um Mm. and uh, funnily enough in thailand and um yeah i mean i I, what the first thing that struck me struck me about it was that that there's an eightfold path and and four noble truths and i was like that makes 12 12, yeah (laughs) (laughs) so i was like I, yeah, that can, I'm down with this. Like, that can <laughs> kind of, it kind of makes sense. So um, that's kind of the path that, that you know, the, the, the Four Noble Truths is, is the, like the foundation and then, then the Eightfold Path is, is the path of, of recovery. Mm. But often when you do refuge, you'll do um, like your first Noble Truth inventory, for example. I don't know if you've done any of it. But I, I haven't, yeah. It, it's a really interesting subject to Noah Levine, the guy that he's been in. I mean, he's a controversial figure. Let's just leave it at that. But, yeah, um, he's the guy that came up with uh, with refuge recovery. Yeah, right? that's right. And he's behind Dharma punks, and um, there's kind there's some other. I, I think he's going through some own some issues at the moment, and it's kind of it's probably beyond the scope of this <laughs> podcast. <laughs> okay, um, because it's kind of controversial and stuff. So. Um, that is kind of my my basis for Buddhism. So it's it's like right, well, we follow this path and we do the right thing, and like, so then, how do we get to meditation through all of this? So, um, so so part of the the noble path is mindfulness and concentration, right? Which really is talking about meditation, um, in my opinion, mm-hmm. and I think in in a lot of people's opinions. Um, so we're aiming towards this path, the, the, this end goal of enlightenment, and we're following this path of doing the right thing. So how do we go about doing that? So um, meditation is where we start. Um, and to achieve this enlightenment, there's kind of four factors that we have to think about. Um, 
and they kind of built their building blocks. So um, the first two that you really need to be practicing within your meditation to start with, if you are going to follow this route and this style and there's no wrong way to meditate and all the other disclaimers, like there's, there's a ton, you know, and this is not transcendental yeah. meditation. This is a Vipassana style. So, um, and I'll explain what that is. But basically what you're trying to do is develop mindfulness and attention. Yeah. So mindfulness is known as sati in, in Pali and stable attention is samadhi. Um, and anyone that's done yoga or anything like that might have come across samadhi in, mm -hmm. in the past. I'm familiar, with a few, I'm familiar with a few of these words from yoga. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, and I know you're a bit of a yoga freak, right? And, yeah. And I'm kind Yoga's of into the it. Best, it. It's the bomb, isn't it? It is. I love yoga. Um, so the idea is that you have this concentration and mindfulness and together that enables you to take on this idea of tranquility. So tranquility um, is called samatha. Um, and you then pair that with vipassana, which is insight. So attention and mindfulness enables you to get to tranquility. And then from the state of tranquility, um, you can work on developing insight. And we're talking about insight into the Dharma, into life here. Mm. Um, and, you know, there are there are a number of um, insights that you can gain from just sitting on a cushion and looking at your thoughts, right? Um, some of which um, I've talked about already in terms of your looking at your personality, looking about how you react and respond and, and all the other sort of things. But when, when we talk about Buddhism and insight, Vipassana, there are five very specific kind of insights. Mm -hmm. um, I spoke about one of them briefly uh, when we talked before, which was impermanence on the basis that everything is changing all the time. Um, then there's... Um, the second one is normally, right, okay, this is called non-self. Okay. Okay. Yeah, right, okay. <laughs> and we we can lift the lid on that one if you want, <laughs> but I warn you it gets pretty existential pretty quick. Okay, maybe a rabbit hole we follow another day. Yeah, yeah quite possibly. Um, then there's one on emptiness. Um, there's one on the nature of suffering. Um and then there's the causal interdependence of all phenomena. Okay. <laughs> Which is not as a snappier title, is it? Yeah. But, um, <laughs> so um, these ideas are um, all kind of separate insights that you can have at different times mm -hmm. through meditation. And it's not like you can read the words and you can intellectually understand them. But what we're talking about here is a deep experiential change to how you perceive reality. Okay. Yeah. That's deep. Indeed. Yeah. <laughs> Getting seriously deep. So, um, yeah, which is all kind of fun, right? Yeah. yeah I, I think so. Um, I'm, I am engaged. Good. <laughs> so um, some of the things that we start to see when we practice this and we, we look at mindfulness there's there's so mindfulness is really about noticing kind of what you're doing and what you're actually saying and a lot of time we go through life on autopilot right so we're not paying mm. attention to the things that we're actually doing now i was thinking about this on my drive over here um and driving is nearly always the one that people talk about in terms of autopilot like you, you get in the car and then you get out and you're like i don't remember anything that happened oh, between man, here I'm and there so bad at that oh yeah so you know as i was driving over here i'm like mm, i'm being mindful like i'm looking at the trees and the colors of the leaves because it's like it's full here and and you know it's kind of nice some of the colors and just appreciating the the scenery and being in the present moment that's kind of really powerful mm. and um it brings me on to this other thing that i know that i i have done historically which is like i'm living in the future like and i'm not i'm not a time traveler 
Zach. So like that <laughs> shit don't work, right? Okay. <laughs> exactly. So it's like, oh, and I'm thinking about like, and the one that people talk about an awful lot that I've heard is, you know, like the Sunday blues or Sunday itis. I don't know if you ever, you ever get this, like Sunday evening when, before you're going to have to go to work. Oh yeah. Like Sunday, like I used to be and from Sunday like, gets ruined time. because you're worried about Monday right. the next day. Yeah. And you're like, oh, hang oh. on. And like I've, I've just, you know, spurned like a quarter of my weekend thinking about next week. Like, yeah. so the little precious time that I do have off, I have wasted being worried about stuff that hasn't happened. Yet. Oh man, that's so, I, 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 I used to be such a culprit of that. Like so bad at that. It's a nightmare. Yeah. Right? And I, I think that there's, there's, a, there's a bunch of stuff with, with mindfulness that, that people talk about, um, so it's having, they talk about examining when people are always sort of like looking into things instead of kind of sensing, right? And it's like that, that sensing, instead of being like driven and analytical and striving all the time, there's a little bit more of this kind of sensing and responding rather than reacting, right? Okay. Mm. Because... Um, what what people have and I'm quoting someone far far more intelligent than me when I say this, but there's between any stimulus and your reply or your reaction or your response, there is a gap. So between that stimulus and what happens, there is a space, mm-hmm. and in that space, you can decide what you're going to do. Yeah, and it's in that space before you react or respond. That I think there's an awful lot of personal growth to be had because, you know, if something happens and suddenly you're like the hackles are up and you're you're snarling at someone because they, you know, dead to whatever it, you know, yeah, whatever. somebody pisses you off yeah. or yeah, whatever maybe, like, and you just snap and you you have the ability to take a beat and just say right, hang on, how do I actually want to? respond not rather than how do i automatically react Mm. okay and i think that those those are really important so it's like owning that moment is i think that there's there's an awful lot about mindfulness that focuses on that that aspect which i think is really super important i've always had this profound respect for people who can shut their emotions down and pause um, when when something stimulating happens and I'm and, and literally stop themselves they won't freak out they'll they'll hold their their composure um, I've always had this profound respect for that because um, and it took until I got into recovery and I started learning that not everything needs a reaction uh, that I, I started kind of practicing this. But early on, I thought these guys were like these mo- the most woke motherfuckers. Yeah, because well, they you're were a just, Jedi. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> because because I mean, a bomb could go off and they would just stand still, you know. And, and it was like, what? I mean, do I have to like cut your hand off or something to make you flinch? <laughs> like, what is? The- <laughs> I'm serious. Oh, and uh, but I've always I always admired that. I thought that was just so because th- that that is some other level shit. Yeah, I mean that is some Obi Wan Kenobi kind of yeah like, Dalai Lama exactly. I mean the guy could pick up a car with his hand. You know what I mean? Something like Yoda. <laughs> okay, carry on. Yeah. Anyway. No, well, yeah, no, no. <laughs> it's, but it's very cool. Like, um, I don't know whether am I Darth Vader in this? Exa- I don't know. The Star Wars <laughs> analogy is going to fall over fairly fairly quickly. I just wanted to be Darth Vader. That's all. Um, so yeah, some some of the other aspects. I think that. Um, uh, and I, I I like this this aspect particularly is is around thoughts right so you know this I'd like I am my thoughts like I am, am but I'm not am I a thought is just a thing it's mm. not it, I'm not those like that is not me that is like it's just a passing thought and I can let it go really really easily it's something I experience but it's not me and. Um, that was hugely powerful for me coming into recovery. I was like, oh yeah, hang on, shit, I don't have 
to do that. Yeah. <laughs> um, and one of the things, like, th- this is quite contentious, is that um, I'd argue that you don't control your thoughts. Mm. Um, and and a lot of and there might be a lot of people listening again. Uh, yeah, I do. Like, I control what I, I think control about. what I think about. Um, yeah. And and actually, um, if at some stage you and I do some meditation, I can I can prove to you that you don't, um, <laughs> and that you can't, um, because you know if you want to sit there and just like let's say you're you're looking at your breath um, and just focusing on that, and what was it you said like suddenly you end up thinking about like pigs on mars or you start God, thinking God knows like what. yeah you know when i was in third grade and some kid kicked my shoe across the room right. and i was mad because that kid is a jerk and yeah. i follow i've carried that for the last 23 years and it just pops into my head yeah so like, <laughs> you know and, and but it's true though isn't it is it? yeah all right and and tell me again about how you can control your thoughts right yeah like, exactly why you did, I, cho- why did yeah. I choose to think about that exactly or when i'm trying to go to sleep at night and i'm thinking yeah it's time to set in and then my brain goes oh no we're gonna give you the top 10 highlights of the most painful events in your yeah. life <laughs> <laughs> it's like <laughs> so true and that's when you realize that you've got a lunatic in the attic right? yeah, you know? oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, what is going on up exactly. there please um so it's <laughs> You get to this stage where, um, you know, and I think that anyone in recovery will, will understand when I talk a little bit about acceptance. So um, there's this urge. I mean, I was I used to call this Spencer versus reality right? mm. because I didn't like reality, Zach. So I'd be like, why do you fucking do this? Why, God, you know. And you're like, I don't know, something drops on you. are like, curse you, Newton, for inventing gravity. gravity. Like, what, like, what, like, I, why are you arguing with reality? Because do you know what? You're going to fucking lose. Exactly. <laughs> because reality, the clue is in the first half of the word, it's real. <laughs> do you remember the, um, the, the conversation we were having about tacos at lunch that, that one day? And we um, were talking, I can't remember yeah, who specifically yeah. it was we were talking yeah. about, but they were like, I don't agree with tacos. Yeah. It's like, what do you mean you don't agree with tacos? Like, that doesn't make any fucking I'm sense. A taco well, denier. Yeah, exactly. Like, I don't believe in tacos. It's like, what do you, what do you, what do you mean? Like, I've got one right here. Like, yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. I, and, I, and I know that is a is an outrageous example, but it, it kind of sums so it up, though, it's, right? It's exactly right. So, yeah. like, you're looking at things and I'm like, why does it have to be this way? I'm so angry about it. And it's like... Dude, whether you're angry about it or not, it doesn't change. It's still (laughs) there. The reality (laughs) is that this is real. Like, get with, like, stop fighting all the time Mm. with stuff that just is. (laughs) Mm. It can't not be. So, like, there's this acceptance. And, And the thing is, when you talk about acceptance in recovery and people think, oh, well, you just let people walk all over you and you just accept it and because that's what... No, I don't mean the sort of slavish following of just whatever happens, happens. I'm, I'm, I'm talking about things that potentially you can't influence, right? Mm. So these, these are things beyond your control. Um, and, uh, you know, I think I, I'm sure you've done... Have you done a session on acceptance in the podcast? Previously? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm sure that people can go and listen to that for your, your yes. pearls of wisdom on, on the matter. But um, yeah, it's the kind of fighting versus accepting, and you know, just rallying, uh, sorry, railing against the walls of reality doesn't hurt reality. It just hurts you, <laughs> right? yeah, and your oh, yeah. friends and family. So um, I, I think that that there's a load of stuff to be had from from that, and then. The kind of what I would call diminishing versus nurturing. So um, there are activities. And, you know, me and you were talking about the other day that either you're, you know, every decision that you make is either one towards relapse or it's one towards recovery. Mm. And there's there's kind of diminishing and nurturing activities. So, like, am I going to go and hang out with my friends at the pub? Probably a diminishing activity nurturing activity i'm going to go to a yoga lesson with my friends that's probably more of a nurturing so it's it's this idea that you start to make choices around things that are good for you 
Mm. And I think that we know in recovery, well, so, uh, again, I will only talk about my experience, but if I start to, to slip and my, my mindset's not good and everything, the first activities that start dropping from my schedule are the ones that I should most be doing. Mm. If I know I haven't sent my sponsor my grat list, if I haven't gone to a meeting when I, you know, when I think that I probably should, if if I realise that I've missed two days of meditation in a row, what's going on here? Like those nurturing activities fall away. And what am I doing instead of that? Well, it's not necessarily another diminishing act it's not necessarily diminishing activity, but it's probably not you know, all the really good things. Like, I'm probably just being lazy or something. Like that. Mm. Those, those are not qualities that I want to portray, right? So I think the diminishing versus nurturing argument is is another really great thing for spotting in, in meditation. Um, but I guess we want to talk a little bit about the practicalities of meditation. Yeah, I, I don't know if you want to... Let's see. I'm all ears, man. <clears throat> I mean, you came with lists and everything. So. Yeah, well, I did. I wrote a few things down <laughs> because I, I know that there was some stuff that I kind of wanted to talk about and um it's a lot to remember mm. um but i think if we talk about th- the very very practical stuff in terms of meditation like so how do i do it um so i <clears throat> i find a quiet space i generally do it quietly i, I don't have any music or anything it's just the ambient sounds of my surroundings mm-hmm. um, but it's better if there's not like a, a Ramstein concert going on <laughs> next door or something like that, which, because I'd be at it <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, the, the, the um, so the, the idea is that you have a nice comfortable environment it's not too hot it's not too cold although that doesn't necessarily matter too much mm-hmm. um, and I have a nice little beanbag cushion that I sit on and I sit cross-legged and I have a straight back, right? Mm. And, and I don't say these things lightly. I think that those are all very important things in terms of my practice. Um, so finding a comfortable posture. Um, I normally sit cross-legged, one hand on top of the other, and I shut my eyes. Um, I think that having that kind of setup is is really important. Although, actually, I, I forgot to mention the most important thing to do when you're meditating, which is to actually go and sit and do the meditation, right? <laughs> it's, it, right? it's better to do five minutes a day than an hour on Sunday, right? It's like it, little and often it is much, much better. It's a really good metaphor. So it, it, it's kind of a good idea to actually say, right, I'm going to do this and commit to doing whatever you can in terms of, a practice establishing a practice so um and you can you can start from as little as five minutes really um i mean even less if you're really struggling or, uh-huh. or if you're really a kind of, i don't know on the fence maybe um because that established practice is what's going to reap the rewards over time okay Make sense? Yes, I get what you're saying. Okay, so I normally have a little checklist of of a few mental things that I I do once I sit down and I'm comfortable. Um, I check my resolve, so I sort of say, right, okay, I'm going to sit here and I'm going to meditate for thirty minutes, um, and I resolve to stay on the cushion, even if it basically all goes to shit in my mind and I, like I'm frustrated and I can't and uh, I'm going to stay there for thirty minutes no matter what. Okay, so I say. This is, it's my intention, right? Mm. Setting my resolve, my intention. Um, I set a little reason, like what am I trying to achieve? Um, so I'll sort of say the idea of this is that afterwards that, I, you know, I'll be in a more calm headspace. It could be as simple as that. Mm. Um, and as you get into meditation, you start to want to do more things with it and in it. Um then you can start to change that around um, and and look at more things. Um, and then I, I take just a moment to put aside any mental distractions. So if I've been, you know, really concerned about something at work or, you know, if there's 
my cat's ill or if I know that I've got to get to the podcast to meet Zach at a certain <laughs> time, like those are things that could be a preoccupation for me. So I sort of just set, I give myself permission just to not worry about those for half an hour mm. and say, okay, look, I know they might still crop up for me. Like it might still happen, but I'm going to say, look, for this half an hour, it's okay. And then the last thing I do I like that. I like the statement that you said. I give myself permission to not worry about those things. Yeah. A lot of people don't know uh, specifically. I I didn't, and and I know that I, I've talked to people before about this. They don't know that they're, and this goes back to controlling your thoughts, right? You don't know they. You don't realize that you can actually give yourself permission to stop worrying about something. Yeah. Like stop thinking about something, and so I really I like that. Anyway, yeah, it's um uh, well, it's it's a really interesting point because um, I see meditation as a gift to myself. I see it as taking time to actually work on myself and actually kind of just be with myself. Um, and th- those are really important concepts to me in 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 meditation. Um, yeah, I mean, I think sit, sitting on the cushion, it, it, it can be so calming. But there's this idea that people will say, I don't have time to meditate. Um, <laughs> I, I kind of say, well, I don't have time not to meditate. Like, mm. I just, because what will happen is if I can have my half an hour, 20 minutes, 10 minutes, five minutes, whatever in the morning to really calm my mind and prepare myself for the day, then actually like to spend 30 minutes, I save much more than that throughout the day. Um, because I'm, I have clarity and I'm, I'm more focused. Um, and that for me is a, is a huge advantage. Um, and I, I, I read this somewhere or I heard it somewhere that if you think about it, if, you know, if I want a pen to write, yeah, unless I take a pen, I can never have a pen, right? Makes mm. sense? If you never take time, then you will never have time. So it means saying to yourself, I am going to do this. It's, again, it's back to intention again. So I will take the time so that I have the time. And once I understood that concept, then it actually became really easy for me because I'm like, I'm going to go and do this because I, I, I know I enjoy doing this mm. and I'm going to make room in my life to, to do this. Um, uh, Pete, th- there's been an, an analogy that I, I've heard about writing, like if you're a writer, if you're a professional writer. Um, it's that, that talent's very common, but actually the, the hard work is not and that writers write. It's not talking about writing or like, you know, it's doing it. Mm-hmm. And it's the same with meditation. It's not talking about it. It's, it's doing it, right? So go sit on the cushion, shut your eyes, <laughs> count your breath. <laughs> <laughs> right? So, um, yeah, that, that's kind of that's kind of what, what it is at a, a, a very kind of uh, physical level. Mm-hmm. But what, what's going on in your brain when you're, when you're doing this, right? So th- the way that most people start is by, like, counting their breath right you've come across this yeah before. oh yeah yeah so um and that's 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 a really good way to start because what you're doing is you're using a meditation object so you're focusing on one thing it's a single point of focus um now you can use mantras people use visualizations there's all all sorts of different things i use my breath because mm-hmm. It's always with me. If it's not with me, then I don't have to worry anymore because <laughs> I have bought the farm. So, um, it, you know, it, it's there. And also, normally you'll find if you focus on your breathing, your breathing generally will slow down a little bit as you observe it, which is quite a calming influence in any case. Mm. So um, I think that's kind of a nice little byproduct in any case. So if you're looking at your breath and it's, it's just there and it's always with you and it's, it's portable. I don't yeah. think. <laughs> you never forget it. 
Um, and people use objects or, you know, like uh, like a physical object. But if you've forgotten that or you can't remember your mantra or whatever, then, yeah. you know, it's... A lot of people like ohm and yep. like for yoga, there's a lot of ohms and that's to, to focus. And then it creates the vibration in the back of your mind <clears throat> that it's like a massage. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, um, and that's... Yeah. yeah, that's an awesome, and you know, there's lots of chanting and stuff in Theravadan as well. But this is just the purely the vipassana. Mm-hmm. We just use the breath. Um, so, um, if I play through the picture of what happens in a meditator's mind, I think it's it's quite insightful. So we start off by noticing the breath. And when I do it, I'm specifically looking in my mind's eye, literally at the tip of my nostrils. And I'm just noticing the breath there. I'm not following it all the way through into my lungs. It's a single point of focus. Okay. Um, and I would recommend for anyone starting that you do you do count. Normally your out breath is, is a bit easier. Um, and you're just, you're just counting them. Um, if you lose count, which happens, um, start again, right? Um, but 10 can seem like Everest. (laughs) So you can start with three or four or whatever and just, you know, just counting the breaths. Um, What actually happens is we're focused on the sensation of our breath. We're following it and connecting with it at our nostrils. And then what happens, we get distracted. Yeah. So we have a mm. distraction. Now that can be uh, like a fan blowing air on you or it could be a car beeping its horn or more commonly, it's your own thoughts. Right. So you'll start thinking about that shoe that got kicked across the room. <laughs> yeah. And right. So that's what we call the moment of distraction. But then what happens is we enter the forgetting phase. So you, you think about the shoe Right. You're thinking about the shoe and your breath. Now you're just thinking about the shoe. Right. <laughs> you have forgotten that you're meant to be counting your breath. Yeah. That, that, that happens to everyone. Right. That that's part of the process. It is absolutely critical to the process, in fact. So what then happens, hopefully, is that you remember that you're meant to be thinking about your breath. Yeah. We call that like you, you woke up. You woke Mm -hmm. up to remembering. So you go back to focusing on your breath. Now, the problem that people have often is that that can be a bit boring. (laughs) (laughs) So you're like, well, I counted to three and then I counted another three and then I counted to ten. But like, what gives, man? Like, what's going on here? I have to tell you, what we're working on here is... Um, the samadhi, the stable attention. So you're cultivating stable attention by doing this. And eventually, um, through focusing on your breath repeatedly, your power of concentration will increase dramatically. So, um, and and I've got some little tips and techniques actually for making, so I, I use something called breath games, which um, sounds a bit like... Um, well, it sounds like yeah. it could be in a, some sort of torture kind yeah. of like weird. It's it's nothing like that. Um, so w- one of the games that I played in um, using my breath is that instead of counting, what I start to do is look if I can spot the very end of the out breath and the very end of the in breath to see if I notice those tiny moments, like when it turns from into out and when you start looking at that you'll actually notice that there's a gap between the in and the out um or the start of the inhalation and the start of the exhalation Mm -hmm. and i start looking at how long that gap was and seeing if i can notice the beginning and end of the gap man you get into it oh that's just that's like level one then level two is to when you're, when you're noticing the breath sensation at the tips of your nose, really looking at that, like really, really looking, what else can I notice about that? And when I started this, I was like, 
because this is like none of this is original thought from me by the way this is all people far more intelligent than me that have taught me stuff mm-hmm. um you start looking at that sensation of breath and i think i'm up to um inhalation i i notice more things i think i th- i think i'm up to about seven or eight eight now i think things that i've noticed and um you're like god i never i never realized that like and you notice that like you can notice the tone and the quality and the shape and like even the tiny muscles around the edge of your nose and the bridge of your nose and the top of your lip like really notice what happens when you're breathing in and out and it, what what i'm doing here is i'm just trying to foster your interest because if it's more interesting, then you're more likely to do it. Mm. So, and I don't want to give many of these away because lots of people will be thinking about maybe trying this. But one of the things that I've I've noticed is that the very tip of my nose, and this is probably on a very micro level, but I can sense it when I am really focused, is that the tip of my nose actually rises when I breathe in and goes back again when I breathe down, breathe out. Um, But it's kind of, it's such a small muscle movement within your nose that you really have to be concentrating to notice it. And I would urge anyone to see if they can notice that actually, because it's very, very subtle. Um, But you can even, like I've even noticed my breath can take on almost like a colour in my mind. Like, so you can notice all sorts of different sensations about it, like the texture and the quality and... And when I say quality, like, is it good? Is it ragged? Is it straight? Is it a cone? Is it a cloud? Like, <laughs> you know, you can really start to look at this. And every time I think I can't find any more things, I find something else. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah. And, crazy. Yeah, I know, right? And, Absolutely um, crazy. So it's, it's, um, it's kind of interesting. So I think that that's a really good way of trying to ensure that you can stay interested in, in the breath game. Um, or the, the the meditation, you're really looking at these things. Now that's this um, is promoting the route towards samatha, which is kind of tranquility. It's like that's creating that stable attention. In vipassana, which is kind of the other side of the coin, which is the insight, what you'd often do is um, you'd sit there and you just let your thoughts arise. So instead of trying to concentrate and kind of having going through that whole forgetting sorry distraction forgetting waking up focus um with vipassana once you've once you've sort of sat and um there are two exercises that i go through before the this kind of like vipassana sitting noticing focus thing which i'll explain very briefly um that um you just let a thought happen so you can remember the fact that the shoe was kicked across the... Was it your shoe? Uh, I can't remember. All right, a shoe. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> just lies. I right, just okay. made it up. Uh, so, yeah. Um, so that you, 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 you remember that the shoe was kicked across the floor and you go, do you know what? Cool. And you just let it go. And you, you notice that you're having the thought, which is called metacognitive introspection. Um, that's okay. that's your th- your having the thought about noticing a thought. Okay, right. So it's like a dream within a dream, yeah, and we're in inception. Like some inception. In. I was yeah. just gonna say that. <laughs> it's like inception shit right here. But it's like one of the qualities of your mind is that your mind can look at your mind. Mm. You can notice your thoughts, and you can notice noticing your thoughts. Yeah. 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 It's heavy, uh, right? Yeah. That heavy. <laughs> um, so. Um, yeah, that's the kind of the, the, the Vipassana thing is just like you just let, let you imagine a helium balloon and you just put the thought in the helium balloon and it just goes away and you concentrate back on the meditation object. And um, and it's kind of just welcoming those thoughts, whereas with um, the other side um, in terms of Samatha and tranquility, it's kind of and don't get me wrong, when you when you wake up to the to the idea that you're not focused on your breath a lot of people go for fuck's sake man i've been thinking men to be thinking oh yeah 
do not do that. <laughs> right. The goal, the entire goal of that little circle that I've talked about is the waking up, right? The other parts are inevitable, right? You will get distracted. You will forget. You will, will hopefully wake up to the fact that you're, you know, meant to be thinking about your breath. Mm-hmm. When you realise that you're not thinking about your breath, celebrate. This is not the point where you go, God damn it, I should have been like, that is not, like it's not about striving. It's not about the clenched fist. I can it's about personally the attest that I have done that so many times yep. where I I come out of it, uh, I wake up, I guess, and then I'm pissed. You're like, I I'm suck. Like, God damn it. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, that's what you're aiming to do. That waking up is what you're aiming for. That's so the goal. When okay. you do that, you go, yeah. Got ya. I know that I was, I know that I forgot. And that's brilliant, right? Because okay. that's what you're just aiming, you're aiming to break out of that all the time, right? Because you're trying to rewire your brain to make sure that you can stay focused and concentrated on your breath. Mm. And it's only by going through that process that you'll improve it. Makes sense? That makes so much sense. Yeah. I've never heard that. Uh, I've never heard that before. The, the, celebrate don't get upset i mean i've heard like give your you know go easy on yourself it's it's tough but i haven't heard the the opposite of of celebrate and that's the purpose yeah that's the entire purpose that at this stage that is the entire purpose so clever so um I know we're probably pretty close to to yeah we're about about running out of time so um I, I think that there was there were some other bits and pieces that I wanted to wanted to talk about, but I think the most important things might be just the precursors to like the two little practices that I do before I, I sit down. Uh, sorry, after I've sat down, but before I start um, the the concentration on the breath. The first one is a body scan, right? So I just go from my toes all the way through my body fairly slowly, maybe a breath on each kind of body part mm-hmm. to say. Is there anything in my toes? Is there any information that my body is giving me about how I'm feeling that I should recognize? And it's not to change anything. It's just to maybe relax your toes and then you move on to your feet, your calves, all the way through arms, up to your head. Um, and I find that that's just quite a nice little relaxation that gets you into it. And body scan meditation is is a big thing as well. Mm-hmm. So I normally start with just a quick one. can, can be done in a minute, right? Um, and the second one is something called metta, which is loving kindness, um, which is one of the Brahma Viharas or the divine abodes in um, Buddhism. But it's really just to take a few breaths to say, as I breathe in, I just say, may I be happy. Um, and as I breathe out, may I be well. Now, this is not some sort of weird mantra or anything. It, it, it's just it's like wishing yourself well. Mm hmm. Because and we, we didn't talk about the hindrances to meditation, but at this point, you know the thing where you said you're kicking your own ass because you've forgotten to talk to think about your breath. Mm-hmm. Well, the idea of this meta practice, and you only have to do this for a couple of minutes, is that it's trying to get you to be kind to yourself, so that when you get into this the circular practice of of you know distraction, forgetting, remembering that when you remember, you, you've got this kind of goodwill towards yourself already. So, you know, mm. may I be happy? May I be at peace? You know, um, that it fosters that kind of celebratory idea around around waking up. So I guess that's my, my kind of overview of Buddhism, mindfulness and meditation. Incredible. Well, I don't know about that, but I mean, it's, it, it, I think it's interesting. I learned I learned more about meditation in this last hour <laughs> than I probably have uh, in a large majority of my recovery career, um, especially the the insights on it. And I think the thing that really hit home with me is the is the celebrate celebrate yeah. the fact that you have the mental capacity to pull yourself out of that thought, yeah, and and that you have the ability to to start over and to keep to keep going because yeah. that's the thing that you aim for. Uh, I had never heard that before. Yeah, this that's is a, so good. I, I find this to be true. Like, it's almost like looking in the wrong end of the telescope, right? Yeah. Because like you, you, <laughs> you need to, you need to sort of say, right, this is what I'm trying to do. Not 
this is what I'm trying not to do. And that the, the, the distinction might be fairly subtle, but the inference is completely the other way. Uh-huh. So I think, you know, it's, it's celebrate when you do it. Don't kick your own ass. That's incredible. All right, man. Well, we are out of time. I am stoked that we did this. <laughs> we were supposed to have a speaker on, but I think that this went so well. Yeah, well, I'm I really, I'm really glad you enjoyed so it. So well, um, yeah, man, really appreciate the insight, and uh, I'm definitely looking forward to what we've got next week, man. Yeah, and I, I've got a few others lined up now as well, so um, we'll have to keep Hell everyone yeah. with, with bated breath, waiting to see what cool, we're going yeah. to do next. We'll leave you guys in suspense. <laughs> all right, well, we will catch you all next week. Peace out, guys.